and Haiti. Put your headphones in and ignore your coworkers. 1057 The Fan. Turn it up Tuesday, cranking it up to 12, because that's how loud it goes here on the fan. Bob Haney, Vinny Serrato, Nolan McGraw, it's Vinny and Haney. Ravens, got Cleveland coming up this week. Six-point favorites are the Baltimore Ravens, winners of four in a row. Every team in the AFC North, above 500. Here to talk about that and more from USA Today. It's the Ravens Wire joins us every Tuesday on the WGK Law Guest Hotline. Let's welcome in Kevin Allstriker. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, guys. Yeah, big uh, week nine win for the Ravens over the Seahawks. And right now the AFC North is uh, yeah on fire. You mentioned it, every team above 500 and could be a very AFC North heavy playoff race as we get down the stretch here over the halfway point in the season now. Now, we just heard during Nolan McGraw's update there about Keaton Mitchell, the bust-out game against Seattle, and Gus Edwards, five touchdowns the last couple of weeks. Justice Hill's done some really good things. So you're John Harbaugh, you're Todd Munkin in particular. How are you allocating these carries over the final few weeks of the season here? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. And honestly, it's a, it's a good thing for the Ravens because the way that the Ravens running back skill sets work. So Gus Edwards is kind of your bruiser guy, you know, can get you two yards when you need one, five yards when you need four. He's kind of that like power back for you. Now Keaton Mitchell is kind of the switch up guy, you know, the speedster has the electricity to his game. And then Justice Hill is kind of in the middle. I think he's an underrated bruiser type of back, but also has the speed and electricity to him. So for me, I think Gus Edwards is still, you know, your guy is the number one, but what, having Keaton Mitchell do what he did, what that allows you if you're the Ravens is giving you a little more leeway in terms of maybe getting Gus some rest. And Keaton Mitchell, I think one thing that stood out to me about his game was not just the speed. Obviously that was one thing that did, but working between the tackles and yards after contact were Mm -hmm. huge for him. He's somebody that, you know, in the preseason, I think a lot of his runs, he tried to bounce outside, get the edge and work with his speed but he was hitting holes really hard against the Seahawks in week nine. And that he used that to his advantage. And the fact that he didn't go down after first contact, I think over 130 of his 138 yards were after contact. That was really key. So I think Gus is still your guy, but you can now work to use Keaton Mitchell and justice Hill as kind of the, the number two change of pace back. But you, you, you have to <laughs> allocate some snaps for Keaton Mitchell in there now, because he showed in that game that he can be a big piece of what you want to do on offense and a big change of pace guy. And I think Baltimore definitely found something there. The Ravens running back room now is a fourth rounder in Justice Hill and two undrafted guys in Gus Edwards and uh, Keaton Mitchell. I know we were talking about the Derrick Henrys and the Saquon Barkleys and the Josh Jacobs of the world. But I think Baltimore is definitely fine at the running back position, especially if Keaton Mitchell can continue the production he had. Yeah, and you know what, uh, Kevin, um, a guy that I'd like to see get a couple more catches because he, he proved likely, you know, the the yak yards, you know, I think we saw that. Maybe Todd Munkin, you know, got a good glimpse of that because he's so strong as a runner also. So, I mean, he could add something too, but there's a lot of mouths to feed. That's the only problem. Yeah, and we, we saw those flashes from him. Especially, you know, if you want to go all the way back to his rookie preseason last year, we saw his ability as as a yak guy and making things happen after the catch. And he's so intriguing because of his skill set where you can line him up on the field. 
you're right, though. Obviously, you still got Mark Andrews, Odell, Zay Flowers, Sean Bateman, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So he's kind of pretty far down on the pecking order in terms of who's going to get the ball. But I think we we saw some flashes late in the game from him, definitely. Hasn't been utilized a ton this year. But I think that he can step up if needed. And for me, one of the key things about this Ravens offense is, is hopefully what they can do is build their momentum from this game. I know we kind of were saying the same thing after Detroit in week seven, and then they kind of came out flat against the Cardinals in week eight. But with a guy like likely it's like the Ravens are so deep. And I think that they were, they've just been trying to figure it out and get the pieces back healthy. And it wasn't going to be a 100% finished product from week one to week 18. That, That was never realistic, but the fact that they now have all their guys back for the most part and Todd Munkin is finally starting to, I think, get a better feel for some things that uh, hopefully as they likely can get a few more catches here. I, I definitely agree with you. I, I thought the the receivers and stuff, they had their legs against Arizona. I, I agreed with Harves. I thought they looked tired, you know, maybe all the travel, but this game, they were playing fast, especially Odell. Yeah. And to <sighs> me, I think that all those receivers, are really good route runners. I think that obviously Zay gets a lot of attention for his route running, but I think Rashad Bateman also has mm-hmm. looked he's pretty good, good the past runner. couple of weeks. The, these guys, I mean, Odell, he, he's been known over the course of his career as a really good route runner too. So I think that all three of those guys did look good against the Seahawks. And I know, again, you look at the black score and you say, what, what are you talking, you know, Zay Flowers have one catch on that one catch. He, the Devin Witherspoon, went out of the frame because of the cutback move that he made. But just because that it's almost like the Lamar Jackson thing too, where Lamar doesn't pass for 350 passing yards every single game. He had 187 in this one, but just because he did that, the Ravens, they didn't even do much. He was efficient in this one, 21 to 26. Now for Rashad Bateman, Lamar missed him a couple times deep. He beat his man, I think twice early in the game and Lamar couldn't hit him each time. So Baltimore, I think, is getting better production now from their wide receivers. Even if the box score and the stat sheet doesn't say it in terms of yards, I think the one play that you know we can we could all talk about in terms of a negative was probably Odell's fumble, where he should have probably got out of bounds and then was kind of flaunting the ball around like a like a loaf of bread. He was very loose with it, so that's the one thing. But to me, I think all three of those guys look good. I mean. Baltimore has a bunch, and obviously you still have to factor in Mark Andrews at the tight end position too. Now, on the, going back to the deep balls, on on the one, you know, because I watched a film again, and the deep ball to Bateman, when he has the DB into the boundary running with him, you know, and there's no safety in the middle of the field. If Lamar just leads him into the middle of the field, he just walks into a touchdown. And that the only negative on Lamar thus far is his deep ball accuracy is still not there. Yeah, it's been pretty inconsistent for him this year. And that's one area when you start to get into these, you know, November, December, hopefully January, February games for the Ravens. He's going to have to be a bit more consistent there. I think even dating back to last year, you know, we we saw the deep ball accuracy be a bit of an issue for him. And I think Baltimore, it's a good thing that Baltimore, if they can get this deep passing game going, especially if they can start taking more deep shots down the field and start hitting and connecting all on those, because Bateman did beat his man twice and would have had one, if not two touchdowns, if Lamar just hit him in stride there. So, 
I think that Baltimore has the players to do that. We, we know that Zay can be a weapon in the deep passing game. We saw it with Rashad Bateman literally this week. I mean, Odell can do it too. And obviously Mark Andrews can, can have that aspect to his game also. So Lamar has an opportunity to improve on that for sure. I, I, I was hopeful that they were going to be able to hit on a couple of those in this game. Now it didn't really matter because they won by so much, but as these games go on, you know, you play a tough Cleveland defense in week 10 that admittedly Lamar diced up the last time they played. But if you can hit on a couple of those, they, they can be tone setters. And especially if you can get points early on off of those, it, it can really help you out as the game goes on. Now, what are you going to do with Marcus Williams? Because the defense is playing so well. They're playing fast. And then, you know, is Marcus Williams with one arm better than having, you know, because they played a lot of three safeties with Worley played a lot you know, in there also with Stone because Hamilton was up close. What are you going to do with Williams when he's ready to come back? Yeah, I think first you got to wait till he's 100% this time. I know that, you know, we were talking about when he came back, looked like he was playing with the one arm. But when he does come back, yeah, Baltimore does like to use those three safety looks. I think that, you know, they they like Daryl Worley a lot. They like Arthur Millette, but... Once Williams comes back, I mean, you got to put him on the field. <laughs> he's, your, he's your $70 million man, but Geno Stone isn't playing so well. So I do think some three safety looks would be the answer there. Now, you can play base in a lot of situations, but Baltimore likes to get creative and move guys around, and it, it becomes a term. Like, if you go with base, what do you do in terms of, you know, Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith, they don't want to take either of those guys off the field. You know, you could kind of argue, well, what if you play one of the dime linebacker roles? Love moving Kyle Hamilton around, sending him, Arthur Millette, off the edge with the DB blitzes. So it's a good problem to have because with Geno Stone, you, you don't want to minimize his snaps as well, but is it kind of a, is it a rotation at that point? So Baltimore has some decisions to make there, but obviously it'll be a lot more amplified once Williams comes back. It's just more depth that this team has. Williams is a good player. Just, you know, Geno Stone's having an awesome year. But Marcus Williams is still really, really good. They paid him that money for a reason. He, so far, outside of the injuries, when he has been on the field, has lived up to that contract. So, obviously, the injuries are a big part of you know what has to get a little better with Marcus Williams. But, you know, it's, it's the NFL. Injuries happen. I'm not blaming him for that. So, Kevin, well, Kevin Allstriker, USA Today, Ravens Wire. Kevin, appreciate the time. As always, enjoy the rest of your Turn It Up Tuesday. And we'll talk to you next week. I appreciate Thanks. you guys. Thanks so much yep. for having me. There's Kevin Ostrager, everybody. It's Vinny at Haiti, 105.7, the Pan Buyers, or excuse me, Whip Around coming up next. We'll count that money next hour. Tons going on in the world of sports, and we've got limited time to get into as much as we can. The Wizard Walt Williams joins us bottom of the hour. Previews Maryland's upcoming season starts tonight. Mount St. Mary's a gaming and here on the fan. Vinny and Haiti's Whip. Brought to you by Box Hill Pizzeria and Crab Cakes. The best crab cakes in Harford County. 1057 The Fan. Time for the whip around video in Haiti. 1057 The Fan. Oh, so much to get into. College basketball. Last night of local interest men. Number 12, Arizona. 122-59 over Morgan. UMBC. I got hosed there at the end. They lose to Louisville 94-93. It's a tie game. Louisville throws up a half-cocked shot. UMBC gets the rebound. Guy snatches it out of his hands and throws it up for a lob. 94-93. The Retrievers losing to the Cardinals. Ugh. 
In my day. Louisville beats UMBC by 50. Yeah. They have six lob dunks by the end yeah. of the TV timeout <laughs> to start the game. But Retrievers hanging. Colorado beats Towson 75-57. Campbell over Navy 59-48. Vatek over Coppin. Larry Stewart era begins 100-55. It was Florida 93-73 over Loyola. So the local teams having a uh, rough go of it last night. Nationally, however, James Madison stunned Michigan State number four in the country. 79-76 in overtime. James Madison is favored to win their league. But Michigan State, number four, first home loss, like a straight-up home loss yeah. in forever. And the nephew of Izzo is the assistant coach for the uh, James Madison team there. But Michigan, hey, Big Ten, look, they get 50 teams in the tournament every year. They haven't had a national champion since Michigan State won it back in 2000. So, not a good look. By the way, Rutgers, every other Big Ten team that played last night won. Rutgers lost to Princeton, 68-61. Women's basketball is number 14, Maryland, 98-75 over Harvard. Terps will play South Carolina coming up next. That'll be Sunday, 1 o'clock on ABC. Hmm. Little Brenda Freeze getting yeah. some national TV love there. And defending national champs, LSU, the Lady Tigers, Lost to Colorado. Not only lost, they kind of got. I was yeah. going to say what I'd normally say for a guy, but it might be offensive to. Well, I, I heard uh, the coach Bob pulling down pants I, and stuff. I like the on. LSU coach because she holds no punches. She said, "Oh, we, Kim Mulkey." Yeah, she said uh, we were a little soft. We had a couple girls that were a little soft, and uh, they're not going to like watching the film come Wednesday. Yeah, Angel Reese, Baltimore, fifteen points, twelve boards. There, NBA last night. Let's see here, the Buzzards. They lose to Philly, 146-128. Kyle Kuzma, 28. Joel Embiid, 48-11-6. Wizards are 1-5 on the year. Can't stop anybody. They couldn't guard a locked door at this time. Might be the worst team in the NBA. It's either them or Memphis. And since the Wizards beat Memphis, we'll say Memphis for now is the worst team. Wizards play Charlotte tomorrow. Indiana blows out San Antonio, 152-111. Sticks, Jalen Smith, Maryland, Mount St. Joe, Baltimore, 9-7 there. Uh, Victor Webbudiana, 13-10 for the Spurs. Miami, 108-107 over the Lakers. Haywood Highsmith, Curley, 5-1 and a steal. Started last night, as a matter of fact. Jimmy Buckets had 28. Knicks beat the Clippers, 111-97. Emmanuel quickly, 7 points. Aboard five assists. Julius Randle, big day for the yep, Knicks, 27, yep. 10, and 3. James Harden, debut for the Clippers, 17, 3, and 6. Said he needs getting shape. <laughs> really? Cap, as Norm McDonald would say, the late great Norm McDonald, that's another uh, another article in Duh Magazine. Duh. Houston, 122, 97 over Sacramento. Cam Whitmore, Baltimore. 7-1-1 one, one there. Kevin Herter, Maryland, 13-3-2. Alex Lynn had three rebounds and a block in that one. Houston's won three in a row, by the way, the Rockets. Oklahoma City, 126-117 over the Hawks. Aaron Wiggins, Maryland, 5-1. Bruno Fernando, got to watch a game for free. DNP. SGA, your boy, Shay Gildas Alexander there, Nolan, had 30 in the win for the Thunder. It's the whip around video in 81057. The fan. We got going on here. Let's see boxing. 1970 Ed Norris. Carlos Monzon knocked out Nino Benvenuti to win the uh, middleweight championship. 
12th round. Carlos Monson will hold that belt for seven years until he retired. Knocked out Benvenuti again in the rematch. You can make a strong case. Carlos Monson, the greatest middleweight champion of all times. 1988, Sugar Ray Leonard knocked out Donnie Lalonde in the ninth round to win the WBC Light Heavyweight Championship and the WBC Super Middleweight Championship. Sugar Ray Leonard, Palmer Park. Most of his early fights were in Baltimore. Ninth round KO on this date in 35 years ago. Oh, my God. It was a Monday night. Get on up out of here with all that nonsense. Let's see here. Greg Olson as Gunnar Henderson's finals. We'll talk to Rich Dubroff, by the way, later in the show about the Orioles. 1989, Greg Olson won Rookie of the Year in the American League. Beats out Tom Gordon, Flash Gordon for the Royals. That is the last Oriole to win the Rookie of the Year until Gunnar Henderson will do it this year. 1976, San Diego Colts beat the Chargers. Burt Jones, three touchdown passes. 37-21, sack pack, five sacks. Colts improved to 8-1. 1977, Monday Night Football in the rain. Against the Redskins down at Memorial Stadium. Burt Jones and Freddie Scott proved to be the difference. Sack Pack hits the Thiesman five times. Colts improved to seven and what? 2010, MT Bank Stadium. Joe Flacco, two touchdown passes. Willis McGahee, Derek Mason recipients there. Nolan's favorite kicker, Billy Cundiff, kicked four field goals. He was a Pro Bowl. He was the Pro Bowl kicker for the AFC that yeah. year. 6-2, the Ravens, 26-10 over Miami. And then a year ago tonight in New Orleans, this happened. And there's the snap. Jackson hands off to Drake, runs over the right guard on the hash mark, and in for the touchdown. Baltimore is cashed in on the interception on the deflected pass by Dalton. That's Canyon Drake. Scored two touchdowns there. Kevin Harlan, Westwood, one on the call. Ravens beat New Orleans 27-13. Lamar Jackson threw a touchdown pass to Isaiah Likely. Get the scoring started there. Justin Tucker, Nolan's second favorite kicker. He uh, kicked two field goals. Ravens approved a 6-3 on the year. That was a year ago today. It seems like only yesterday. Maryland basketball starts tonight. Taking on Mount St. Mary's and Gaming. And here on the fan, the Wizard, Walt Williams, joins us next. Preview the season. Funhouse with Nolan. Left 45. News from the Nets coming up top of the hour. We're going to hear more from John Harbaugh talking about his team. 7-2 winners of four in a row. We'll count that money at 12.15 by yourself. Then Michael Felder, we'll talk college football with him. We're in the home stretch, Vinny. We're in the home stretch. Michael Felder is going to talk about the Heisman leaders, Penn State, Michigan. Huge game coming up Saturday. Your sports information station, 105.7 The Fan. Turn it off Tuesday. It's Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. Bob Haney, Vinny Serrato. Pick a song, we'll play it loud. Send a request, plaza for text line at 410-583-1057. Maryland starts tonight. Men, year two of the Kevin Willard era, taking on Mount St. Mary's. A gaming and hero on 105.7 The Fed. Joining us now is going to be on the call, along with Johnny Holiday and Chris Naki. Of course, he is a Maryland legend. His number's in the Raptors where it belongs. He's on the WGK Law Guest Hotline. Let's welcome back for the first time in a couple of months. He is the wizard, Walt Williams. Wiz, what is up? How you doing, brother? I'm doing all right, dude. And it's college hoop season. Already had an upset. Michigan State took it on the chin last night at home against James Madison. But let's talk about Maryland and Kevin Willard, year number two. You've got the nice mix of the veterans with Jameer Young, Dante Scott, 
Julian Reese Young and uh, Scott or Reese rather getting preseason honors in the Big Ten. You're bringing a top 15 recruiting class. So if you're looking to level up, if Kevin Willard is looking to do so, which I'm assuming he is, what are expectations for this team? And hope always springs eternal. But what are the expectations realistic as we look at it? Well, it's a, it's a couple of different elements here that uh, uh, you, you have questions about that you don't know. You mentioned um, a couple that we do know about, and that's Jameer Young, Julian Reeves, and Dante Scott. We know Jameer is going to be a floor leader out there. He's going to bring tremendous heart. Um, he's going to compete on both ends. And, uh, and we know Julian Reese has a wealth of talent, especially around the basket and, and being able to rebound the ball. Uh, he just has to go to another level in terms of keeping himself on the floor. Uh, Dante Scott, you know, he's capable of having big games as well. Um, and so the questions you're going to have is, is the young kids, uh, you know, Jonathan Lamoth or Harris Smith, would they be able to contribute right away? They are guys who can shoot the ball and, and they're going to be able to stretch the floor for guys like Jameer and Julian Dante to be able to uh, get busy and, and create out there. And, and then you have uh, X-Factors like uh, Jahari Long, uh, the kid uh, Geronimo, the transfer, and, and the all-around play in, uh, in both ends and those effort-level plays where they be able to consistently do those things. And and then also, you know, maybe a guy like Bachelor or Kaiser Jr., those guys are just pure shooters where they be able to contribute uh, to this team. If, if one of those guys can, can do that and, and be somebody who can consistently step on the floor and, and stretch the floor uh, to, a, to that degree, uh, that's going to be uh, that's going to be a tremendous asset for this team on the offensive end. Now, Walt, for Kevin Willard's preferred style of play offensively, how up-tempo do you see this year's team being compared to last year as there's a little more athleticism in the equation now? Well, yeah, and I, and I think just another year uh, uh, of learning the system, you just have a m- more of a comfort level uh, on both ends. As a player, you have more uh, more of a comfort level in, in, in the coaching staff, and the coaching staff, have, they understand what you're going to bring to the table uh, a little bit more as well. So the comfort level between the two is there, and, and so I think that it allows you to play with a little bit more freedom, a little bit more trust, and uh, those things are demonstrated uh, uh, in the training. Transition, and so early on, I, I think that this is going to be a team that should be able to uh, be successful in, in transition. You have a big guy in Julian Reese that can run the floor. They don't have uh, uh, the depth there, the big. So you, they, you, when you look at the lineup, you, you probably see that. Uh, they might tend to lean towards a small lineup when it comes to the big. So you got to be able to run the floor if you're going to do that and, and still rebound the ball. And, and shooting is going to be uh, uh, paramount as well. And transition, being able to find those guys who can uh, stretch the floor, who can uh, take advantage of those open looks. The Wizard, Walt Williams, joining us. Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fed, Maryland tonight against Mount St. Mary's. You can hear the game on this here radio station. Getting back to the vets, and in particular, Dante Scott. I know, you know, wasn't in the greatest of shape at times, can be somewhat ball-dominant. He is a fifth-year senior. What does he have to be for Kevin Willard this year for Maryland to reach whatever their potential might be? Well, I think he's the heart and soul of the team. He he brings that toughness. He's a guy that's that grinds and very physical and uh, 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 at times an intimidating presence that he he can bring to the floor, and, and just bring that swag of that type of confidence uh, to a team when they when they step on the floor, especially on the defensive end. Um, he's a guy who. Uh, 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 
who who can do a lot offensively, but I think rebounding the ball and uh, he's oftentimes asked to guard guys that, are, that that's bigger than him, and, and he does well. So you just have, he just got to be an ultimate competitor out there. I see him uh, at times this season being put in the same scenario where he's going to have to guard guys bigger than him. But on the offensive end, he should be able to take advantage of them. I think defensively, if he brings that competitive nature every night and the physicality that he brings to the table, he should he should be able to take advantage of these bigger guys a little bit more, especially being used to uh, being put in that situation. While we have uh, Damon Evans on every week talking about football, basketball, the athletic department, we were talking about Kevin Willard, how he kind of resonates with like the older school guys. And we're not saying you're old by the way, Wiz, but of course you've got some legacy with this program. Saw Gary Williams hanging around the Xfinity Center a lot last season. How has Kevin Willard kind of connected to the alums in the Maryland tradition? They're wearing those lefty throwbacks this year as well. How is Willard fitting in with what Maryland has been basketball-wise? Oh, yeah, he's absolutely uh, doing a great job of embracing uh, the past and bringing everyone into the fold. Hey, but look, man, let's not, let, hey, we're in the honeymoon phase, so right. let's see. Let's talk about this uh, two years from there. Let's see what's happening then. But like I said, he's, he's a great guy. He's doing a great job. And and uh, he not only does he embrace the the, uh, uh, the past, but the culture. You know, this this team, uh, this this school is a, is a, a traditional school. The fans are very important, and he understands that and uh, I think that he connects with that I think that he has the type of personality that resonates or connects with the uh, uh, the fan base here um, and, and it's to be reflected in the type of players he's recruiting he does he's doing a good job of uh, recruiting local players and and all of that and I think that we have the best high school players in the country so um, and I, I think he uh, is doing a good job on all fronts right now and, and so we want to be 100% behind him and, and support him and, and give him what he needs and so uh, he's shown that and more importantly it, it, coaching he's shown that uh, he can get these kids to go to another level they're running through the wall for him especially on the defensive end um, and, and so I think that that's an testament to uh, his character and the coaching staff as a whole and how they embrace this team how they have a feel for this team and, and it's more than just basketball so uh, that's a great tribute to to not just the uh, uh, to Kevin Willard, Coach Willard, but the coaching staff as a whole. Hey, well, what's Julian Reese's ceiling? Oh man, I, I think he has a tremendous, tremendous uh, future. Um, he's a guy that he, he needs to be able to expand his game a little bit on the perimeter, but I don't think that's something that uh, he needs to pay attention to like right away. He have other things that he can uh, zone in on and be more efficient at. And and he's still a dominant player out there. He has so many things that he can get better at, and he still uh, uh, has a dominant presence out there. So, I mean, uh, you know, I, I see this kid's ceiling is so far away. You know, I think that he has a lot of room to, to get better. And uh, he's, he's shown that he has a work ethic. He's in the gym constantly, uh, getting stronger, working on his crabs. So, you know, uh, we'll see if he be, if he's a better free throw. I mean, it's just so many aspects he can get better in. But yet, he's still a dominant player, man. So I'm excited uh, to see what his growth is going to look like. Hey, well, what's your opinion of the Big Ten Conference this year? Um, I, I don't think it's – I think that uh, the Turks are right there at the top. 
I think that they can compete with uh, any of these teams here. Um, Big Ten t- tends to be traditional in that you see the top four teams are, you know, they kind of uh, uh, single themselves out and then the rest kind of fight it out uh, to, to see who's going to uh, top that middle of the pack. So I think it's the same case this year. But, um, you know, early in the season, there is a, you said, we mentioned it earlier, Michigan State gets upset. I think that has to do with the parity of, of uh, college basketball right now with the transfer portal and other elements. So early on, I think there's going to be upsets. But you know Michigan State, they're going to settle into things and they'll be right there in the thick of it uh, as we go along. He's the Wizard Walt Williams, Maryland legend, NBA star and of course our friend here on 105.7 the fan if the uh, Terps win tonight which they will where am I going to uh, enjoy a celebratory drink and what am I drinking Walt Williams oh man we're going to get some clutch vodka you know that, <laughs> hey it's gluten free no sugar no carbs organically filtered so you know I know that uh, Lido's uh, I know that's one of the restaurants in the, uh, uh, in the college park area uh, that has clutch man immediately right now so uh, if you want to get a taste of that just come on through Lido's and, and try it out Coincidentally enough, Lito's a sponsor here on 105.7 The Fan. The Wizard, Walt Williams, basketball's back, dude. Great to talk to you. We'll catch up with you next week. Looking forward to it, buddy. There he is, Walt Williams. Tonight, he, Johnny Holiday, Chris Knocky. Coverage starts at 6. Maryland, Mount St. Mary's. Terps, big favorites in that ballgame. We'll come back. Funhouse, Nolan McGraw. News from the Nest coming up at noon. Buy or sell. Where's the money? We'll count it at 12.15-ish. Michael Felder will be joining us. Talk college football with him. Maryland's lost four in a row. They're at Nebraska. Maryland somehow favored in that game. Why? Until the gold club opens. Make it rain. Vinny and Haney. Better grab an umbrella. 1057 The Fan. News from the Nest coming up top of the hour. We're going to hear from John Harbaugh. Met with the media yesterday. We're going to hear from Kyle Van Noy, too. Gino Stone. Mm-hmm. They all were out there doing their uh, media hits. Gino Stone leads the NFL in interceptions. Kyle Van Noy's been outstanding for the most part. Since the Ravens brought him in, Ravens 7-2 and two on the year. One of the best teams in the National Football League for now. Still a lot of football left to be played, including Sunday's matchup against the Cleveland Browns. Mike Elias, named Executive of the Year by Major League Baseball. Brandon Hyde, finalist for American, uh, American League Manager of the Year with Bruce Bochy and Kevin Cash. Gunnar Henderson is a finalist for American League Rookie of the Year, Tanner Bybee of Cleveland, and Tristan Cassis, who Bill Ripken told us last year was going to be a stud. We talked about it. Greg Olson won Rookie of the Year 34 years ago today. Is Gunner going to do it next week? We'll get into all of that and more with Rich Dubroff coming up later in the show. But let's bring in Nolan McGraw. Quick draw, what's happening? Doing good. We're talking a lot about the Ravens' defense yesterday, getting some national recognition and of course, the national media always wants to fixate on the 2000 Ravens defense. Makes sense. They won the Super Bowl that year. They were historic in a lot of ways. But I said yesterday that when it's all said and done, the 2023 defense could maybe be more closely compared to 2006 Ravens defense. My own curiosity here, I wanted to look up the stats. Points per game this year, 2023 defense, 13.8, 2006 was 12.6, so pretty close there. And, of course, 2,000 was untouchable, 10.3 points per game. Sacks is what's interesting, though. 35 so far this year. That's on pace for 66. Mm -hmm. 
Venture to guess how many the 2000 team had they in had 16 le- games. Less than 40. 35. There so this go. year's team's already matched that 60 in 2006. So uh, yardage is, is very similar as well. Uh, again, 2000 year, pretty much untouchable other than sacks. Turnovers would be interesting, but I'd imagine they're uh, close there with Gino accounting for six interceptions. But the 2006 team had a bunch of sacks, if I'm not mistaken. 60 sacks. There you go. This year on pace for 66. So with the additional game. And yeah. that team was 13-3. and three, mm-hmm. One and done in the playoffs, unfortunately, losing to the Colts. Down at M&T. Didn't give up a touchdown, but didn't score right. a touchdown. Defense did and their like, job. Yes, yeah. they Against did. The and you know what's Peyton amazing Manning. is no Pro Bowl pass rush guys. You know, Matabika will probably make it this year, but I mean, no outside pass rush right. guys. Like 2006 had Suggs and Trevor mm-hmm. Price and a bunch of other dudes but running around out there. Three right? future Hall of Famers, yeah. Suggs, Reed, and uh, Ray. Mm-hmm. And all the other, I mean, talk. that was the year where the cast of characters, Adelis Thomas, maybe you could compare Matabike to him, not same position, yeah. but in terms of like one-year breakout guy. He wound up signing with the Patriots after that season. Mm-hmm. One of many defensive players that uh, popped in a contract year. Yeah, and wasn't Bart Scott kicking some ass back in 2006? He, he had his back. share, hung around for a little bit. Did he jump ship right to the Jets after that? I think he or? played one more year, and then uh, he went yeah. with uh, Rex Ryan in New York. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a lot of uh, – yeah. but like you said, Vinny. Bart I mean, had nine year. and a half sacks that year. Damn. Trevor Crazy. Price had 13. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Wild, wacky stuff. But to your point, comparable more to 06 than 2000. But we'll see. A lot of football left to be played. News for the Nets coming up top of the hour. Let's go to the fun house. Quick draws, funhouse. The rudeness, tuneness text reader. Who's the fastest gun alive? This side of the Chesapeake. Sponsored by the Smile Design Center. Changing the way you feel about dentistry one smile at a time. For information or to schedule an appointment for care, give them a call today. 443-348-8812. I like that quick draw. 1057 The Fan. Start with one on the Terps. Uh, Texter says, haven't been this genuinely excited for a Terps basketball season in forever. I was intrigued last year with Willard arriving, but he quickly set the tone in his first full year. Now I'm all in. Yeah, last year they got up to the surprising start, made it to number 13 in the rankings, then kind of bottomed out a little bit. But more consistency, there's more talent. As we said, they got the nice mix of veterans and this highly regarded recruiting class. How does it all come together? We'll find out tonight at 7 o'clock against Mount St. Mary's. This one here on the Ravens and Keaton Mitchell. Texter says Mitchell deserves bulk of the carries until a defense proves that they can stop him. A great test coming up this weekend against a strong Browns defense. Yeah, I, I, I don't think he's a guy that can carry it 15 to 20 times and stay healthy for the long haul. I think, you know, using him like they're using him, probably a little bit more than Justice Hill, I would imagine, you know. But uh, he's a talent, but he's been hurt twice already this year. And I got another one on Terps basketball here, talking about expectations a little bit earlier. This texter says an eight seed, not even close to acceptable, barring serious injury to a key player. Uh, Willard showed that he could get last year's team to around that status. Now with his first full recruiting class, 
they need to be a five seed at worst. Well, Jerry Palm, who he had on last week, said they're going to be really good. His bracketology, I guess somebody's going to coin that word eventually because Joe Lenardi's been doing it forever. He's got him as a seven seed, seven seed. So maybe being a little cautious with the expectations for now. That's fair. I'd rather that than start like, oh, they're going to be a two seed, and then you're How disappointed. How about let's see the second weekend of the tournament? Right. Uh, I don't think that's an unfair expectation because the Big Ten, three teams ranked in the top 25. One of them lost last night at home to James Madison, Purdue, and then Illinois. I could see Maryland getting into that top four of the league at Sweet 16, one since 2003, and the last one was eight years ago. And do some damage in the conference tournament, too. Don't yeah. be afraid to win that every yeah, once in a while. Yeah, Big Ten tournament gets a little dicey. You can hang a banner for that. They, they let you do that. <laughs> yes. Well, before we break here, we, I told you all week we're giving away tickets to see Chris Stapleton next summer. We got another pair coming at you right now. Again, two tickets to see Chris Stapleton. It's the All-American Road Show uh, featuring Marcus King and Nikki Lane. The concert's not until next June, but you can get your tickets right now. I want caller number 6 410-583-1057. Speaking of six, six interceptions, Gino Stone. We're going to hear from him when we come back. News from the Nats. Going to count some money. Hopefully, buy or sell. Todd, turn it up Tuesday style. And then Michael Felder. Talk college football with him as we're now in November. The big epic matchups with playoff implications are happening now.